This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast. We're very glad to have you here with us today. And I think we've got a great show for you. I'm your host, Marquis Vandemark, and yes, I am deep in the heart of the Midwest. I live in a log cabin in an undisclosed location on the outskirts of town. Thank you all for joining us. It's a great day in the Midwest. The weather is getting much more milder, not as hot as it has been, and that's a good thing. So again, thank you all very much for joining us. This is our second episode. Maybe you caught our last episode, our premier episode, where we talked a little bit about what the purpose of Affirm America is. And today we have a good show for you. We have a guest I'd like to introduce to you, and he's a good friend of mine. And in fact, we met on a prayer call back in April of 2020 when the COVID virus hit and all the election results came in from the Trump election. It brought a lot of us uh, who worked on that campaign to uh, get down on our knees and pray for the last 500 days. And that's what we've been doing. We've been praying, seeking God's guidance, trying to find solutions to help America get back on its feet because we felt that there's a lot of confusion and it needs some inspiration. So we began our prayer, and as a result of that, the Firm America podcast was born. A lot of us are activists. We helped in the Trump campaign. So here we are. But today I'd like to invite uh, my guest in today. He's, uh, again, a good friend of mine, a prayer partner. His name is uh, Jim Boothsby. He's a uh, pastor, Jim Boothsby, is a longtime missionary advocate and public sector political activist. He's from northern New England, the great state of Maine, and was educated at Dartmouth College and had been involved in global democratization and freedom issues for over about 40 years or so. Jim uh, still owns and operates a wholesale car business, and in his own words, a recovering pastor. He says his greatest and most fun public service effort ever was as a scoutmaster for 17 years of a large and active Boy Scout troop. He's noted as saying there's only one America, and it is truly a gift of God, and it's our responsibility to safeguard, improve, and perpetuate it for all time. Jim's married, the father of four adult children, and lives in Annapolis, Maryland. I'd like to welcome Jim to the Firm America podcast. Jim, how are you doing today, buddy? Marcus, it's great to be with you, dear brother. It's uh as you said, it's a lovely day here, too. So uh, we're grateful. Fantastic. Absolutely grateful. Thanks for having me. You bet. Good to, uh, good to hear you. And I know we're uh, 
we've been talking before the show today what uh, what we'd like to talk about. You know, there's so many things that's going on in, in America today. Um, we could pick probably a dozen things to talk about. So we've came up with um, something I think our uh, audience will uh, find to be shocking. Also, maybe a little uh, enlightening, too. What do you think? Absolutely. There's a lot going on in America, and it really requires thoughtful, prayerful, serious, you know, attention to not to not to not to not miss the boat here. Uh, we we are we are in some uh, some rough water in a variety of different ways. So, yes, yeah, we I'm, I'm are. very very concerned about what's going on. Yeah. Well, you know, we've uh, we've done a couple things together. We've uh, held some rallies down in uh, Charleston, West Virginia to help Joe Manchin hold the line on the filibuster. Yes. A couple of yes. those. Yeah, uh, we certainly projects, did. Yeah, right? that's, that was a big one. Very, very important. We, uh, very important indeed. Yes. We worked together with uh, Heritage Works and Freedom Works, and we had a pretty good successful rally down there in Charleston at the State House. And we also mobilized... Uh, when uh, Joe had come to town with uh, the First Lady, and we were out there on the streets with our signs encouraging Joe to hold the line and honor his commitment to not changing the filibuster. That was quite an interesting day, too, as well. Right. You know, Marcus, I, uh, one comment, you know, by way of just a, an initial comment. I, it's funny, I, I, probably a lot of us, you know, listening today, we, we, that are middle-aged folk, maybe, or a little better than that, uh, never in our wildest dreams did we ever even consider that the edifice, the foundation, the, 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 the monolith of America, that America itself would ever, was, it, we think it was, was indestructible, that it was inviolate, it was beyond wear or destruction, it, it was seemed so fortunate, blessed, and successful, and strong. Almost, we've always, all of us, you know, that are north of forty years old or whatever, uh, have always thought that America was absolutely going to last forever. And yet, I think uh, I certainly speak for myself to say that for the first time in my adult life, in the last several years, and particularly this year, I've come to realize. It's later than you think, as my granddad used to say. It's later than you think in regards to many issues, and um, that America is not beyond its 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 own demise. And as Ronald Reagan had famously said, "Freedom is never more than one generation away from being lost." Yeah, absolutely. And by golly, that seems to be the case. And it sure seems like it's accelerating too. Right now, we're seeing things uh, just in the last year and a half really. With the, well, you know, we could talk about, you know, the cancel culture, the wokeism, the critical race theory. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. So let's uh, let's kind of focus in a little bit here and uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about our topic today. And we've got a video we're going to show. This is being recorded, so it'll be up on our YouTube channel. But also we'll be able to hear the audio for those that aren't watching it on video frame this video a little bit for us, Jim, so that when we when we watch this um, and listen to this, the audience can understand a little bit about what this is and what how that might relate to America, what's going on right now that we see around us 
in the many different forms. And, and is this seeing. the 15-minute one? Marcus? It is, yes. The, uh -huh. uh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, this is uh, this is pa uh, Paul Joseph Watson, who is a an English, you know, uh, kind of a millennial English pro-America, pro-freedom, pro-classical liberalism in the sense of which today is conservatism. Uh, an advocate, and uh, this guy is fantastic, uh, Paul Joseph Watson, and he's all over social media. And this is a a the title of this 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 uh, this little video here is a uh, ritual public shaming, ritual public shaming. And what is that? That is the technique used in Mao Zedong's cultural revolution in the, in the, in the late sixties in China. And in order to, you've heard of re-education camps, you've heard of uh, political correctness, that which that assumes is something that's quote unquote correct and something in, in, in their view, which is incorrect. And if you're in the incorrect, realm of thinking and value structure and then you need to be made correct you need to be educated baby mm. you need to be reprogrammed mm. and part of opening up the doorway to prepare the ground for any for any individual to be to have their thinking and their views and their values reshuffled and reprogrammed is you have to kind of soften up the soil it's kind of like in the springtime, you know, you do out there in the Midwest, Marcus, right? You, yes. you, you see them tilling the fields. That's right. Which is, is kind of breaking up the established establishment situation, uh, disturbing the status quo, and then preparing for something new. And very much uh, what this video addresses is the, the ritual public shaming, which is, in a sense, uh, could be likened to the idea of breaking someone's will, breaking the individual's will. And upon the foundation of you break their will, you shatter them, you cause them to doubt, to fear, to to cower and to 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 uh, to be to be that you start to really unravel. And then upon that step, then perhaps one they move to the phases of actual political indoctrination. And that's when people and it's always the same in all of these communist countries. Uh, it was done in 1966 in China. It was done uh, in Cambodia. It was done in the Killing Fields, the famous movie uh, after the fall of uh, Vietnam in the late 70s. It's always the same. They get the people that are the the bourgeoisie, the intellectuals, the educated, the, the clergy, the business owners, the small shop owners, anybody that has any inherited wealth. They're moved out to the field where they're going to be. Yes. Uh, they're going to work for 10 hours a day in the sun and the hot weather, and that will somehow is part of their being reprogrammed to be a worker within the new worker's paradise. Yes. Well, let's take a look at this video, and then we can talk about it on the backside, about how that might apply to what we see today, maybe mm. draw some parallels between this ritual public shaming um, video here. So let's, let's go ahead and watch that and listen to this right now. psychological warfare is humiliation and ritual public shaming and i'm not just talking about social media cancel culture i'm talking about literal public shaming in public <laughs> Wouldn't it be chilling if the exact same tactics used by the Red Guards during the psychological terror campaign of China's Maoist cultural revolution were being used today? Yes, it would. 
And yes, they are. During the Cultural Revolution, dissidents and opponents of the revolution were publicly humiliated and shamed in the streets by baying mobs of Marxist-Leninist agitators. At the time, these displays were known as struggle sessions. The goal was to use verbal and physical abuse to force the accused into expressing both physical and ideological fealty and ultimately confessing their thought crimes. So what were the characteristics of Maoist struggle sessions? The mob would subject the target to repeated rhythmic chants as a form of re-education. mob would force the target to kneel, which is another form of ritual public shaming. They ordered us to get down on our knees. So if they see that a white person is getting on their knees, that shows solidarity for the situation. The situation. And could you just please apologize for, you know, for your white privilege? Just apologize. I know. Here it is, right here. There you go. This is the white man. Get these white women. They forced my parents to kneel. No, 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 no. Tell to my mouth. The target was made to wear blackboards describing their alleged crimes and sins. The highest ranking victims were brought out for public humiliation before mass meetings in a football stadium. They wore placards around their necks with their names crossed out like common criminals. You wanna get fucked up tonight? Would you still want the flag up? Don't look at me in my eyes. What is this? What's your history? What's wrong with you, son? We'd seen a lot of this in revolutionary films as we were growing up. target who professed their innocence, maybe by refusing to conform to groupthink and mob intimidation, was regarded by the Maoists as the most guilty. Confession crimes! Nothing to confess. I can remember as though it were yesterday watching a group of strongly built students, including some of my own classmates, boys who practiced martial arts. us they have to receive the re-education I really wanted to beat him because I felt such hatred the past was still too close look, look what they're doing look at this this is this is Marxism cultural Marxism to a T they create they create they create the unrest and then they get upset when someone actually speaks up for themselves and now they've ruined a peaceful evening we had live music out here 
they're ruining this evening just because someone actually spoke up for himself. The dude with the greasy ass hair. The mob would be incited to target landowners who they were indoctrinated to believe were the architects of their oppression. Those rounded up were made to write self-denunciations. They wore names on their backs. Capitalist. Landlord. Mao argued that the peasant violence was an inevitable response to landlord oppression. To redress past wrongs, it was necessary to go to extremes. The mob would be incited to attack religious shrines. Throughout the country, churches were closed, clergy unfrocked, religious symbols smashed. Temples and shrines were ransacked, despite official designation as cultural treasures. The mob would be encouraged to erect their own murals and shrines to honor and ordain their ideological deities. The statue of the Virgin Mary was replaced by a portrait of Mao. One form of worship gave way to another. The goal of the mob was to rid the country of the old ideas by enacting reverse cultural imperialism. There was to be a new revolution, a cultural revolution, a revolution in people's thinking. All ideas contrary to Mao's thinking and the objects that represented them had to be destroyed. Many irreplaceable objects were destroyed. Instance, fall from grace. Also statues of David and the like, the kind used in drawing classes. The rebels were full of themselves. They struck poses as they smashed everything. Not just by attacking the ideas, but by physically attacking the people, buildings and icons that represent those ideas and replacing them with their own. Zhou Enlai's implicit distinction between smashing bourgeois ideas and smashing bourgeois individuals was quickly forgotten. Heroic young Red Guard fighters go out on the streets. That is, the old ideas, old culture, old customs and old habits left over by the old society which spread feudal poison and symbolized imperialist aggression and capitalist exploitation. And the people sinned a great sin, for they had made them a god of gold. And they bore him upon their shoulders and rejoiced, saying, this be our god. The mob would be incited to attack shops and businesses perceived not to be fully supporting their cause. They're destroying old shop signs, 
and replacing them with revolutionary ones. There was a famous hair salon. It displayed photographs of all kinds of hairdos. When the Cultural Revolution came, they were seen as examples of bourgeois decadence. A group of Red Guards took over the place. We own this building, that building, that building, this building, which are all, all destroyed. The mob would be incited to target street signs and lobby for street names to be changed. In doing so, re-educating their class enemies to be ashamed of their heritage. The scum and dregs, such as street names, insulting the Chinese people, left by imperialism and revisionism must be completely destroyed. There have been many campaigns across the country, from renaming Liverpool's Penny Lane. We've got to recognise uh, that our public realm, statues, squares, street names, don't accurately reflect our values or, or London in, in 2020. They're putting up quotations from Chairman Mao Zedong. The Chinese people will go all out to establish the new ideas, new culture, new customs and new habits of the proletariat. The mob would be incited to believe that looting and stealing is merely the just reappropriation of wealth. We knew our home would be a target sooner or later. We fit the category. My parents had both been capitalists. Finally, one day, the Red Guards came charging in and turned our house upside down. This is a business that, that my parents started 40 years ago, small, out of their garage. You didn't do anything to anybody. You know, why do we deserve it? Former capitalists who had long since given up their assets. The local police asked the Minister of Public Security if the Red Guards should be stopped. No, that would be unwise. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that the activities of BLM have reached anywhere near the level of terror dished out by the Red Guard. But I'm starting to notice some similarities. Victims of the Maoist Cultural Revolution were not just publicly shamed for their beliefs, they were executed for them. Of course, that would never happen in America, would it? One person wearing a Patriot prayer hat was shot and killed in Portland last night. It was a fucking Nazi! Our community held its own! Dissidents and thought criminals who refused to cave to the mob were also taken to re-education gulags. Of course, that would never happen in America, would it? They also believed that their immediate responsibility would be to protect against what they called the counter-revolution. And uh, they felt that this counter-revolution could best be guarded against by creating and establishing re-education centers in the Southwest. Uh, where we would take all the people who needed to be re-educated into the new way of thinking and teach them how things were going to be. I ask, well, what is going to happen to those people that we can't re-educate, that are die-hard cap capitalists? And the reply was that they'd have to be eliminated. And when I pursued this further, they estimated that they would have to eliminate 25 million people in these re-education centers. And when I say eliminate, I mean kill 25 million people. I want you to imagine sitting in a room with 25 people, most of which have graduate degrees from Columbia and other well-known educational centers, and hear them figuring out the logistics for the elimination of 25 million people. And they were dead serious. In 1984, George Orwell described the two minutes of hate, which was akin to public shaming training 
for the citizens of Airstrip 1. The rage that one felt was an abstract, undirected emotion, a shaming ritual which could be switched from one object to another like the flame of a blow lamp. Just as BLM agitators are able to switch their rage on a whim, from targeting a senator to a diner to an old woman, all seen as being born with original sin, because of their skin colour. The object of Irie could be anyone, writes James Panero. What matters is the display of denunciation and the pitiless scorn that must be arbitrarily shown. The impact of public shaming is also reflected in political polls. In the case of both Brexit and Donald Trump, the polls got it spectacularly wrong. Part of the reason for that was because voters were reluctant to tell pollsters their actual voting preference. Whatever the strength of their private beliefs, public shaming had made people ashamed of expressing support for Brexit or Trump. Expect that phenomenon to be repeated in 2020. Ritual public humiliation struggle sessions were happening in China right up until 1978 when reformist Deng Xiaoping abolished them. In Maoist China, without explicitly calling for political violence, the political class was nonetheless able to legitimize and incite it. Even though the editorial neither mentioned the report nor praised violence, it was clear that the extreme actions of the Red Guards were not to be criticized. In the United States, the political class has achieved the exact same thing. No explicit call for violence, but the subtle legitimization and incitement of the mob to carry out Maoist-style psychological warfare against the American people. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. People need to start taking to the streets. This is a dictator. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives. Enemies of the state. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Go ahead, take you behind the gym and beat the hell out of them. Punch some people in the face! And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. Anymore, anywhere. And now the same political class is using the threat of that same mob to intimidate Americans into voting them into power. History doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes. Wow. That was quite a shocking video. Yeah, Jim, I think uh, that has a lot to say with, what do, you, what do you think? Can you see any parallels there? Uh, parallels? Good Lord. I mean, there's one every five seconds. It's uh, it's profoundly disturbing because the symmetry and the parallel with what's going on and what went on and the techniques, the tactics, the outlook, everything is um, absolutely congruent with the, the day. I mean, obviously, you know, you saw what a half a dozen well-known political figures on the left. Yeah. Not just liberals, but on the left, just showing they are absolutely verbally alluding to violence and justifying it. Because absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you are part of the, those who resist the new thinking, well, as the guy said uh, just a moment before that, he said, you know, hey, we have 25 million people that, you know, they have to be dealt with. Well, what do you mean dealt with? Well, they have to be eliminated. You know, and in the Cultural Revolution, is the estimates range as high as 24 million people lost their lives. And the way you said that these are uh, these are all scholars from Columbia, you know, highly educated 
college graduates that would be the ones that would be determining who is to be eliminated or not. That's very chilling to think about who would be the uh, the executors here and who would be the decision makers. Sounds very much like the Nazis back in the in the day with the uh, Marcus. You know, two words. Think about this. I, I wrote this down on my my notes here as I was sitting listening. Thought criminals. Thought criminals. What the heck? What is a thought criminal? In the Western world, in the great enlightenment tradition, you know, we've been we've been raised for 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 grown up in an environment of several hundred years that the sacred place within every human being is is the realm of your thoughts. Yes, and this raises the specter of a whole brave new world, and uh, that comes from the left, where that's where I mean, think what is the relationship between the horror of that and the commonly accepted leftist progressive notions of political correctness? It's the same thing. That's what political correctness means. Yes. Is that you either you, if you have or don't have thoughts which are approved, you're in trouble. That's right. You're in trouble. Your thoughts have to be approved by the common turn or by the junta or by column who you are. The 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 the, the, the you know the, the, the party has to approve your thought. Never mind your actions or your bank account or whether you can own a house or, or do anything else. But even they get they're so invasive. And so overbearing and, 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 and oppressive that they want to control your brain as well. Yeah. Your thought, you cannot be a thought criminal. I mean, that is scary squared. Definitely. And it's, it's ruined the whole um, uh, comedian circuit too, right? Even the comedians. Uh, <laughs> as much as I, I can't stand uh, Bill right. Maher, uh, you know, these, you know, uh, Comedy is is a lot of time is just truth, you know, truth and yes, uh, uh, in a in a comedic way in which makes it uh, funny and you know it's completely ruined a whole industry because uh, the thought police are out there checking off every little word that's being said and whether it fits into a box that's appropriate for who knows who is the uh, the judge of these things. I mean, it's you know where yes, do these things yes. even come from? I mean, who's sitting around you know saying okay, you can say this. Or you can't say that. Who has the right to, to to tell us that? Only God above can tell us how we think and is the judgment uh, of uh, how we think and how we act. So uh, anyway, as far as uh, I hope that uh, our audience can can go see the video side of the the uh, audio. That if you didn't have a chance to uh, see it physically on a video. It's very easy. Just go to YouTube. You can just do a Google search or a YouTube search for Paul Joseph Watson, Ritual Public Shaming. I encourage you to watch the actual video because it's very, it's even more shocking than just the uh, the audio side. It shows you actual footage of uh, what we've seen here in America and also in China during the revolution. You know, it's interesting, Marcus, to reflect on as you as you, as, as you think about uh, history, the Western world, what was the, and I'm not really sure, I'm just kind of mulling this over as we're talking, what, what was the first no, rememberable or notable occurrence in Western European history 
where thought crimes were talked about, they were identified, they were, um, and they were prosecuted. Thought crimes. And there may be many, uh, we may be missing many, but certainly one of the notable ones, of course, which was horrifying, you know, was the Spanish Inquisition, Hmm. where, and and we think of it as as really, you know, religion gone bad. I mean, like really bad, like murderous and uh, torture and murder. But this problem, uh, the, the hubris and the arrogance of anybody in 2021, the American left deigning to think that they are <clears throat> ascribed the authority and the power and the legitimacy to tell anybody what to think. And these thoughts are approved and these thoughts are not approved. Good yes. God, that is like ice water in my veins of my in my blood veins. Oh. That's just to think of the chilling thought Absolutely. of where that where and it's not like where we're going, bro. Yeah. We're there. Yeah, we need to stand We're up. We're there. And, and uh, you know, I think, you know, those who do nothing, right, is, I mean, we have to we have to stand up and, and push back. And yes. That's, that's the only real solution here. We can't, we can't just roll over like in some of these videos when a mob comes in and has, you know, through peer pressure or threat of violence, forcing you to, you know, raise your hand in solidarity to what they're, what they're promoting. Um for God's sake, yeah. you know, liberty, freedom of speech, you know, we, we just have to stand up and, and push back, regardless of what the results may be. I mean, there was a lot of martyrs that came before us, our founding fathers that built this country, that gave their lives for our freedoms. And yes. hope to God we don't get to that point where we have to martyr, but this is uh, very serious what's going on well you know it's interesting when we reflect for a minute on uh, you speak of freedoms marcus uh, freedom of speech for example yes you realize and i don't i can't pull the numbers out of my head at the, at the moment but but a very high percentage of millennials young adults you know homeowners voters people that are 32 years old or whatever and younger of course uh, you know ages 15 to 40 the younger generation is not clear about freedom of speech. And in fact, it, when the question is posed in the right way, um, they're very squishy and very willing to compromise. And, and apparently through lots of years of public school training and, and neo-Marxist. Well, that's what I was going to so say. Is that, yeah. They're not even teaching this in the schools anymore. I mean, they're, they're, they're being indoctrinated right now, you know, about how bad America is. And so it doesn't surprise me that, uh, they're squishy in the middle because it's, um, you know, we, we have a full assault going on with the critical race theory, as you and me both know, through um, some of the things that we've been involved with in the public schools yeah. and the indoctrination that's going on with critical race theory. It's no surprise that that's how they feel. No, it really isn't. It's, it, it's you know, it, it, again, we have to, uh, part of, part of the, the multitude of, of types of work that needs to get done, you know, here in, in, in immediately and going forward is, is we can talk about first principles, you know, first, what are the, of which one is what we were just speaking of is freedom of speech. It is, it's not freedom of speech, uh, you know, for, for the only speech that we like, or you and I 
approve of. Freedom of speech is freedom of speech of unpopular speech that we don't like. That's the whole point. Yeah, absolutely. So see that again, you know, when, when the extreme left rooted in wokeism, Marxism, authoritarianism, socialism, Leninism, and fascism always is about control. It's really worth noting. Control is the, is the coin of the realm. Control is the name of the game. Control and coercion. And sadly, to see young Americans having been schooled by the left, the leftist teachers union, uh, American Federation of Teachers and the National Education Association, which, you know, the largest, arguably, as someone called them, the la- possibly the largest, most destructive organization in America, maybe outside of Congress. Um, yes. And, you know, training our children on our tax dollars to find that freedom of speech, for example, is compromisable. And if and if, if the people at the top don't approve of it, we'll take you out and we may disappear you or God knows what. I mean, this is, again, bone chilling sort of stuff that suddenly has burst on the scene. And it's but it, it's, it hasn't just burst on the scene last couple of years. This has been, of course, obviously on the slow yep. boil or March. For a long time. Yep. Absolutely. Just amazing. It really is. So, Jim, what do you think? Um, where do we go from here? What's um, so what do you think is some of the solutions that we can address as Americans that we see? these things percolating around our country and you know we could we again we could talk about a dozen things that are going on but the common person out here the soccer moms the parents with children that are busy every day working taking care of their families yet you know we're seeing this er this erosion this uh, lurch to the far left so what what can we do as americans to really correct this uh this ship, this American experiment, this to write the ship nation. of state. Yes. I, three things come to mind. Number one, get educated. Find out what is going on. Be sure that you take in a daily diet of of conservative, faith, family, freedom oriented media. Whether you, how, regardless of how you get your media, whether you, you you're a magazine reader, read the Washington Times, read the Epoch Times, read the National Review, read. The mainstream media, which is decidedly leftist, decidedly sympathetic to to, to Marxist yes. and, and neo-communist sorts of ideas. I mean, it's unbelievable the degree to which they are compromised. So listen to them if you – I channel surf them occasionally just, just, just to kind of stay in balance. But make sure that you get educated and, and jump on Amazon and buy books. Hey, you can buy a book. You don't have to drive, park, go in. It, the 12 bucks they're 15 bucks they're eight or nine bucks and i order a book every month and uh i don't always read them all but i i order frequently and uh probably yes. 10 a year and so get educated and find out what's going on in particular i can't say enough god bless fox news they don't always get it right but certainly the evening news programs Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingraham, Hannity, Jesse Waters on the weekend, Janine Pirro, Steve Hilton, the Brit, Mark Levin. If you those seven people, if you digest them, you will be pumped if you have any red American blood in your in your veins at all. It's number one. Number two, and this is a big one, hand wringing. This is the problem of the right in America. And what's 
Marcus, can we call that the Republican Party? For all for all intents and purposes, I think we can, right? Oh yeah, you bet. The Republican Party. It's act. It, the word is action, action, action. Take a risk. Step up, man. We are at war. We are. We're in the fight of our lives, and there, there are no guarantees. And this is a dark, dark, dark era that we're that we're in, and 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 it's getting worse. And um, so. Um, you know, I was there on January 6th. I wasn't at, I wasn't at the Capitol. I, I heard the president speak, President Trump speak. Uh, but uh, certainly the fact that there are several hundred rioters, not, not murderers, not 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 bombers, just rioters who came in, but in many cases walked in the front door. But some that still in prison in D.C. jails. Oh, yeah. As uncharged. And they won't release the, the – the, 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 they won't give them bail. They won't even charge them. They're just there rotting. This is unbelievable. Where is the outcry? Even from the Republican Party, Rona McDaniel, where are you? You're missing in action. What the heck? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, so – who And who was behind that? Is, uh, who was behind that too? That's the other question. You know, who really well, obviously, was behind, uh, that uh, whole – what they uh, qual- call insurrection, but uh, – you know who was really behind it? Was it Antifa? Was it uh, the CIA? Was it uh, who was who was behind that whole thing? I, was, I don't I was, know. I was I on mean, the I was on the uh, the Capitol grounds at that time. I just watching, and um, there was a lot of shady characters out there. You could tell there was uh, people were suiting up, and it was uh, it was a little bit unusual. What were you thinking? What as you saw as you were you were you kind of scratching your head a little bit? I I, I had left by then. I did not. Yeah, no, I just, I mean, everybody was, uh, you know, they, after the Trump speech, they all just kind of, the whole crowd just was moving towards the Capitol. I was just thinking it was going to be a, you know, an extended rally. It was peaceful while I was there. There was, you know, I'd already left by the time, you know, some of the real rough things started happening. We didn't stay that long there, but you could see people, you know, that came for, to do battle. I mean, there was people with, you know, bulletproof vests on, and they had helmets and masks, and it was, um, it looked like an Antifa crowd is what it looked like. It looked like a Black Lives Matter rally. So that was that was my first thought was, you know, there's uh, there's people that came here that they didn't look like Trump supporters. Now, there were definitely Trump supporters probably there. A lot of them were there, mm-hmm. you know, but um, sometimes a Trojan horse, you know, they might... Uh, you know, it can be Antifa dressed in a Trump yes, hat yes. to right. throw everybody off, you know. So you wonder about that. Was well, it really uh, – because most of, the, most of the, the – I mean, the whole rally itself was very peaceful, very patriotic. If you've ever been to a Trump yes. rally, those people are very, very nice. They never, you know, they never get into fights. It's, it's, it's a loving, patriotic Oh, you, uh, you see occasionally a group of three or four people, you know, made, making a little circle locked arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, praying. Yes. Literally praying in the streets of D.C. I've seen it exactly. repeatedly over the last eight or nine months. But, you know, to my point, I mentioned <clears throat> I mentioned January 6th because why? Because I what I I don't think there's any doubt about this, that that the the current leftist woke administration and that the architects, the real strategic thinkers, they are using what? To, for this, as you mentioned, half of America, 75 million people that voted for the the traditional conservative, 
you know, pro-America candidate, uh, 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 you know, last November, and they are utilizing the same tools that were used in 1966 hmm. in the world's largest yeah. nation in China. And that is, there are a number of different tools in the toolbox, but one of the main ones is fear. Fear. Yeah. And when you ask, what do you, what do, what do we, what do we do? As I say, first, get educated and learn what's going on and, and maintain a steady diet of, of information coming in. And then the second point is act. Just knowing doesn't help. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Just knowing and, 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 and grousing about it with your, you know, with your next door neighbor across the backyard fence does not help. Get off one's fanny, get stand up, dust oneself off, stretch and go out and go to that meeting, go to that rally, uh, write the check of the you know, to donate a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, wherever you can to whatever, whomever you can, but get activated and action. And honestly, uh, I think we all know that the left and the progressives and the, the, the neo-communists and all of these people, they're always in the streets. They're always padlocking yeah. themselves, their wrists to a, a, a wrought iron fence outside of an embassy, or they're always throwing blood on people at a church, or they're marching in the streets, or they're screaming and yelling with both. Well, I'm not suggesting those things, obviously, but I am suggesting action, you know, decent, good, passionate action and, and you know, to, to make oneself heard. And, it'll apply. and that can be writing letters to the editor. It can be phone calling your congressman or your senator and so forth. Lastly, I think it's also it's really valuable to pray. We have to pray. Pray God Almighty. Forgive us all. Yes. Forgive. For, I ask forgiveness of myself. I feel Really, in many ways, we've, we've, we've dropped the ball over the decades of our lives. We of the 60s generation, um, you know, let's face it. I mean, there was a lot, a lot of post-World War II, those of us that grew up through that era, there's been a lot of water gone over the dam that wasn't always good, and we made a lot of mistakes. And so it's been famously said, if God Almighty leaves America, if the blessing of God is withdrawn, at a certain tipping point, who knows where that tipping point might be, but but we're we're flirting with it. If we're not there, we're flirting with that tipping point. Yes, we want to really repent, repent. Yeah. We need lots of a repentance move. for sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. We we really do. We need a move of, yeah. of the divine. We need a question somehow become more secular and uh, you know a long ways from where our founding fathers began this country, this great experiment of America. Yes. Well, Jim, yes. listen, I appreciate you coming on today and hope to bring you back again, maybe on some other topics in the future. We can, um, we have some networking that we've done with some guests that we could bring in and discuss uh, yes. some more of these topics and bring our information out to the, uh, to our audience so that they can be aware and they can connect with us, um, and mm. be a part mm. of, uh, the great awakening of America that I, th that I feel is, um, uh, happening now that the American people are waking up and we just need to accelerate that, that true yeah. awakening, not the far left. We need to shift out. The old car man says we have to shift out of first gear and into second and quickly on to third. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right? We got this. So we I appreciate you coming uh, today. Oh, it was fun. It was fun. Thank you for having me. My honor. So that was my good friend, uh, Jim Boothsby. And I'm, uh, want to thank him for, uh, joining our show today. You can uh, sign up for our newsletter. You can go to AffirmAmerica.com, sign up for our newsletter. You can get information about uh, upcoming podcasts and some of the networking activities that we're doing. 
around the country, some of the rallies and things to maintain some of the important activist things that need to be done to address the American situation. So again, I thank you for joining me today and uh, look forward to seeing y'all on our next episode. And again, this is the Affirm America podcast. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it.